Shepherding Chaos, the Retail 247 podcast. Embracing change in the world of retail tech. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Shepherding Chaos. I'm Alan Morris and today I'm joined as always by CEO, founder and uh, El Presidente of Retail 247, Martin Schofield. And our special guest is Matt Bradley. Special guest. Special guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better be special, Matt. You've got to live up to this now. You've got a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, So, Matt, let's talk about you, because we've talked about me and Martin in the past. So, uh, give us a bit of background. Tell us a bit about yourself. (laughs) Well... I, so I'm the event director of the, the Retail Technology Show, which um, we launched for the first time, we, I suppose we relaunched it for the first time um, earlier this year, in April, uh, and it, it, it's, an, it's an exhibition and a conference for suppliers of retail technology to, to the retail sector. So I've been involved in exhibitions for around 20 years. Um, I start, funny enough, I, I trained as an actor actually. So <laughs> I did. Okay. I trained as an actor and a dancer. Uh, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> it's a yes, video say. podcast. <laughs> yeah, set yourself up. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah and it, it didn't work out. <laughs> um, but I started, my, my father ran or owned nightclubs in London, so I started doing a bit of work with, with him and I started running events for companies that wanted to have Christmas parties and socials and stuff like that. And I ended up just meeting a company and um, that I'd run an event for, and they said, well, you know, would you fancy coming to work running bigger events? And um, I was at the sort of time of my life where I didn't want to work with my dad forever, and um, I had no idea about what exhibitions were or anything, and I joined this company, and we, we ran a show from the Business Design Centre in Islington, and um, we ran it once, and it didn't run again. <laughs> and um, it was it was around sort of interior for homes and stuff. And then, you know, over the years, I worked for big companies, and. Um, smaller companies. I lived over in Ireland for a while and um, ran some shows over there and then eventually came back and launched what was then called RBTE, Retail Business Technology mm-hmm. Expo, in 2000. Well, we started running it in 2010 but it didn't actually happen until 2011 and um, yeah, I've been in, in this business running the retail tech shows in various guises for, um, you know, well, I think yeah, like 10, 11 years now. Yeah. Quite a long time. So what is it? About, <clears throat> is there something special about tech shows and technology that makes you sort of... Because you've obviously you have been in it a little while and you're obviously well known for uh, for what you do. So is that it now? Retail tech shows is your, um, your, thing, your speciality? <laughs> to be honest, yeah, I think, uh, certainly my, I think it's definitely my speciality. It's, mm. um, to be honest, when I first sort of started it with two business partners, I, I, I knew nothing, and to be honest, I think you're a bit strange if you're in the in, if you're in the retail yeah, industry target. and you already know stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not to do with the industry. I'm just just a hobby. You know, it's yeah. a bit odd. Um, and I genuinely just thought, I don't know, there's tools and that's it, isn't it? And I think once you come into the industry, and after a few months, you're just absorbed by it, and it's almost impossible now to walk into any store and not immediately sort of trying to eyeball what technology they got, who they're using, oh, that, that doesn't work very well. So you do sort of fall in love with it very quickly. And um, I think when um, when COVID hit and you know, exhibitions really took a yeah. pace yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was there was a moment, there was a, a time when I just thought, I'm probably going to have to do something else here. And that was quite daunting. Mm. Um, and I didn't know what it was going to be. And to be honest, it, it felt natural to stay rather than the exhibition world, into the retail tech world. So, yeah, I think I'm probably here for life now. Yeah. I'm a lifer. So, go back to the first show then. Yeah. Yeah, in 2011. What was the, 
What was that like? What was the what was on display? What stood out the most? It was, well, firstly, I mean, it was in Elf's Court, which isn't even here anymore. So that yeah. just shows yeah. how much has changed. Yeah. It was. Um, was that remind me that? Is that? Because that my my memories of the first sort of shows back in Birmingham. And that, and that well, that's, that's the retail solution. That's retail solution. Was that so a completely separate thing, or was that a completely separate? That was a completely separate thing, and actually, it was really quite interesting. The retail solutions have been very successful for twenty five odd years. It was kind of a, a chip away, though. But yeah. yeah, I think it kind of just. I, I don't know the full details, I wasn't part of that business, but you know, the feedback that I've got from various people that I've spoken to over the years was that it just got a bit stagnant and it hadn't really moved on. And actually, I think it's probably at a time where technology was moving a lot slower than it would be today. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think they finished in 2007. So when we launched in 2011, something had changed in the industry, which was the launch of the iPhone. So retail had completely transformed, um, tech within retail completely transformed, and from <coughs> From, and I suppose even then, it, it, when I went on the first couple of shows, the power was still in the retailers' hands, and we, or the retailers, were pushing Pushing to, yeah, yeah. They were pushing to, this is how we insist you shop, this is how we advise you shop, this is what the technology you should be using. You know, come to the show this year, the, the, it's totally changed. Yeah. You know, the, the consumer has the power, and they say, well, this is how I shop next door, so I demand I, sh I shop in here. And so that's the twist of power has been really, really interesting yeah, to see. Definitely. Um, and certainly the, the, the type of people that visited the show back in 2011 were, were very much IT professionals. It was very IT. Uh, operations were in there a lot. And now, now they still come, obviously, to the show. They're still a massive part of our audience. But we have so many more marketeers now. And it, it, it's sort of fallen into that job function just as much as in the IT industry as well, because retailers now realize Without the technology, we're not reaching our customers, and that then becomes a marketeer's role. So, yeah, I think it's been really, really interesting to see how the industry has transformed over 10 years. And I, I remember back in 2011, a guy called uh, Jeff Barraclough, who was former BT expedite. Yeah, sorry, bro. Remember Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him doing a thing on <coughs> Twitter or LinkedIn or something where he said, I'm going to try and just use contactless for the day. I'm going to let you know how I get on. And he said it was really tricky in some places and it yeah. didn't really work and the trains didn't, you know, wasn't, you know, I get stuck at the barriers and stuff. It took a while for it to, to open and things. And I just think, God, I get frustrated now if my contactless doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? I have to put the card in? You're, well, for God's sake. I was a bit of a laggard in that one, but I'm now completely out of time. All I take is my phone anyway these days. Yeah, me too. I never take a walk anyway. Keys, keys. Nice. Uh, well, I've heard that about you, Adam. Yeah, that's very true, man. Well, I've yeah, I've just always been very lucky to people to buy me drinks yeah. and uh, stuff. It's great. So it's interesting you talked about you know, how the profile of people who come to the shows is, is changing. I mean, obviously, you know, technology before, um, as we were talking before we came on on air, you know, technology used to be a very much a sporting role in retail, but now it's uh, it's you know, it's a lot more centre stage, and it should be right on the agenda of every you know, every boardroom in uh, in retail uh, across the world, not alone just in this country. But you still think there's there's still a bit of catching up to do in terms of more retailers, not uh, people who work in the IT department in retailers, but more you know, uh, merchandisers, buyers, retail ops people um, coming along to the shows. Yeah, I think that's that's 
you know, the, the, every year we set ourselves new targets. Um, we're always trying to increase the overall number, but specifically we're trying to increase that retail number. It's always been a, a relatively tough industry to crack, um, yeah. and I, I can't put, I can't give you an answer as to why. I probably, if I found that out, I'd probably retire. Mm. Um, but it is, it's, it's notoriously been quite a difficult industry to engage properly with, um, and, I, and I think. You know, We've, we've tried to build a model that is, um, you know, it's free to attend. I genuinely think our conference program is up there with any pay-for conference program that's yeah. out there. Um, and so, we, we, and we have the very best suppliers of tech from, from across, the, across the world. And it's not just, you know, the big guys, the, the big guys, inverted commas. Um, it, it's all those sort of smaller, interesting companies that have... You know, developing things you know, in small offices or in their bedrooms or anything like this. They're, they're, that, that's a sort of real lifeblood, I think, of the show. It really helps, you know, because I know that retailers are really keen to sort of see yeah. what's new and what's interesting out there. So, yeah, the, the aim will always be to, to encourage and get more retailers there, and we are obviously looking at ways that we can do that. Um, a lot of it's through sort of technology and understanding how we reach a market, which. Yeah. Um, it's, it's depends what you mean by retailers, isn't it? I mean, there are those that buy as merchandise, as you mentioned, Alan, that they keep them a spreadsheet, they're happy, with the greatest respect. <laughs> There's not necessarily front, front of mind for them to look at new technology options. No, but should, should the, the point I'm, I'm making is, should that actually be the case? You know, the, the, you give them a spreadsheet and they're happy, which is the same as when, you know, when we all started. You, you yeah. just gave a merchandise a Lotus one or a finance person a Lotus one two three spreadsheet mm, as opposed to Excel, mm. and, and they were happy. Well, yeah, surely by now, with people's knowledge of of technology and how it affects them as customers and translating how they feel with other retailers, you know, yeah, what they need to know shouldn't. Should they be actually pushing to go to more of these things to actually widen their uh, yeah. uh, experience? I mean, when you were at Harvey Nichols, I mean, how many people from the business actually went to the shows? Oh, yeah, no, none that I recall. But I suppose I've got two trains of thought. I agree with what you said, but equally, I suppose that's a few years ago, you know, tech was my job, sort of thing. Mm. So I didn't want everybody to come up with their own ideas. It was about down for us to lay down an IT strategy, and, and, and to form that strategy, my internal consultation would have been a key part. So, so a free-for-all for technology, well, like that one, that one, and that one, and retails hard work. Do you think CIAs might feel like that now? Maybe a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a fine balance, isn't it, between adopting the next shiny thing versus having a sort of coherent yeah. IT strategy, and I think it's, yeah. a, it's a... I get but all input's good. I yeah. think and I think it's, and it is, isn't it? If, if you're putting your name next to something and saying, this is going to be big and we should invest heavily in this, and, yeah. you know, that, you know, Apple was a great one with the biometrics, you know, and everyone went mad for biometrics. Yeah. Okay, that's going to be a thing. I know Amazon are still trying to push the sort of biometric payment and things like that. And everyone went biometrics crazy. And then within the next model of Apple launching the next phone, they went, oh, we're taking that function away now. And they were all these retailers went, ah, no, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be quite brave, I suppose, as a, you know, a CIO saying, well, I'm, I believe this is going to be the trend for the next 10 yeah. years, and you know, this is where a lot of the issues around the legacy systems are coming that, as well. That, I mean, it's probably not for this podcast, and Alan and I have talked about it before, but most retailers have got a lot of work to do just to do the basics, yeah. and, and that yeah. technology around you know, having the, the basics of retailing we've talked about before uh, is occupying their day job, really. 
No, it's, it's, it's uh, again a balance of what's new versus get, being able to deliver yeah. that. I wonder if, if suppliers have got a bigger part to play in helping to attract people to the show to work with you by actually maybe saying rather than, you know, when I think back to my time at, uh, at Retail Assist, you know, the first show we did was back in the NEC, yep. Retail Solutions, and uh, we basically, yeah, we were, we started in 99, I think it was in 99, 2000, and we, uh, we shared a stand with someone. And, um, and basically, yeah, we got out what we we got some marketing stuff together. We just stood there waiting for people to come, and when they came, and we tried to sell them what we were what we were doing. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> yeah, some of my uh, yeah, one of my uh, my uh, co-founders was extremely uh, skeptical about doing this because it was expensive yeah, for a startup business as we were back then. It was expensive. And we made one. We actually made a sale at the stand. To Otica's books came in and actually outsourced our IT to us as a result of yeah that not they're not there and then sign yeah. the deal because that never happens. But yeah, we we it was then the yeah. But that, I think that, that, that's yeah. the thing that, that you know we talk about return on investment. But what is the return on investment? Is it a sale? You know, look, you know that's the basics of it. But it isn't that cut and dry with this industry. You know, it's that touch point again. It's that yeah. okay I'm, or or that introduction to the right or something like that and I've always said that you know when I first sort of started launching this and I was doing mainly sales you know if you could tell me that Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, IBM, Toshiba and Fujitsu and the person that I need to sell to would be all in the room at the same time I'm, I'm running through hot coals to get into that room yeah. and that's the sort of message we push out to to our exhibitors and say look if you're, you're you're not sure give us who you're trying to target and we'll tell you if they're coming or not yeah. and so and if you think they're coming, why are you not there? Because if it was me, I'm going to be there. Because if there's any chance I can get just a handshake with someone who then finally speaks to me for a minute, then I'm, you know, that, that for me is a return on investment. But people measure it in lots of different ways. And um, it is, you know, return on investments of events and exhibitions, it, it, it's very difficult to, sort of, you know, to, to pin down. But a lot of people come with that sort of, there are a lot of people that come and think, I'm going to be a millionaire by the end of this. Today, and you think, okay, I'm not sure. Yeah. And then you get the others that are sort of a bit more sort of steady heads that say, yeah, this is this is just about branding, this is opportunity. about opportunity, yeah, demos, that's, that's uh, and all of that. And um, yeah, of course, I'd love people to be writing deals at the show. Sometimes yeah. it'll happen. But, um, yeah. but I do think suppliers have to actually make their their pitch more interesting and more mm. engaging and more relevant to the retailer than just saying, yeah, this is our stand, this is, the, this is what we've got to sell for you. You've got to actually go that bit further and, and actually show it in like a practical example. Yes. I think, yeah, the, um, the, the conference um, streams that you do where yeah, somebody gets the opportunity to stand up and, and talk to bring their stuff to life and be got yeah. more anecdotal, that, that's got to be a It does, it works. I mean, we, we have quite a strict rule on that in that you can apply to speak. We don't charge people to speak. It's content over cash. Um, you have to have a retailer speaking with you. Right. We then have an advisory board of retailers, and we then order the call for papers. We send them over to them and say that this is this is the title. This is the retailer speaking. Is that something you want to hear? And they just tick. 
and it's basically the ones that get selected are the ones that go into the program. Okay, never thought so about it's that. not really. It's and so I, mean, you know, I, I promise you, I've had lots you get more demands than, than the slots. Oh, gotcha. Hmm? Yeah, definitely. You're gonna put that. Put <laughs> yeah, yeah. it away now. But, yeah, well, <laughs> the company doesn't take bribes, so I'm very. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> the company. Yeah. Um, but but, but yeah, they so, bribe you to dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would take a lot. Um, so yeah, it has been always the content has been key and. Um, Having a retailer sort of because people fear sales pitches. Yeah, they really do. And and I've known exhibitors before that have gone, Matt, you know I'm not a sales pitch. You know that I'm not going to pitch. You know I just can't get a retailer to speak about it at the moment because it's so new and they haven't tried it enough. And I said, look, it's not you. It's not you as a person. It's just if they see your brand. I'm not going to say a name name because they'll say I never did that. that." (laughs) But if you see you know a supplier's brand. They will, um, they will immediately think, well, that's a sales pitch. But if you yeah. see a supplier brand and then a retailer brand next to yeah. it, they'll go, it's, it's okay. Giving you information. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so, yes, yeah, so we, we do try and control that. We've got you know, an excellent conference producer, Carl, who um, you know, he, he worked freelance for us and he's been phenomenal. And you know, he, as I said, the conference program, I genuinely would put up against any paid for program. And um, I'm hoping he's going to do just a good job next year as well. So, Martin, yeah. with Retail 247, mm-hmm. yeah, what's your view on attending a conference? Sorry, <laughs> nice, thanks, Alan. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Matt. No, 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 no. Good question. I mean, many thoughts. Um, actually, what Matt just said about the example of having everybody in a room, that's quite, that resonates quite well, so that's a good argument. <laughs> good social sales pitch. Yes. Um, um, because it is exactly that. It's opportunity. You're never going to quantify a sale or, or yeah. something that's tangible, but it's about contributing to the long-term growth and, and, and brand awareness, I suppose. Um, what else do I think? The social side is very important. I mean, there is that piece to it. Um, you know, within the within the room, research and uh, and events afterwards, and that's always a good thing. Um, I suppose I, I've been to a lot of these shows from the other side of the coin, and well, you were on our advisory panel when you were a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. actually, I don't, I don't think I did that much, but yeah, <laughs> thanks. I think I was busy at Harvard at the time, but yes, I'm always available. Um, um, what was I saying? Yes, so. As, a, as a, a small supplier, you've got to get over that hurdle of not wanting to be down that slight side street, yeah. and that's the yeah. difficult thing for me. It's about what we, what's affordable that's actually going to have some sort of you know impact, um, and that's the only thing I decide on. Logically, apart from the, <clears throat> logically, apart from the cash and the, and the value, which I'm sure is good value, um, it's it's just about uh, you know having the right spot and being able to afford the right spot. Yeah, what I found interesting this year's show is the uh, the innovation. Yeah, discovery zone. Actually, something in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We've done, we have done it before, but there was a lot more attention on it yeah. this year. And um, we also had a startup of Safari as well, where yeah. you know, tours curated and taken around. It was. Uh, it, my people always say, oh, "So t- tell us about your role. What's your job?" And it's, you know, it's, well, <laughs> it's not science, but what it is is my my job truly is just create a story. Yeah. That's it. I just create stories, it's, and it's got to be a story that is exciting enough that somebody goes, "I'll come out of my office and go look at that." Yeah. That 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 is it. If I can do that, then my job is done. And I do that through conference programs, but I also do it by highlighting some of the innovative solutions and companies that you probably aren't really aware of. Yeah. You know, I can I can market the fact that the big guys are there and the bellwethers are there and they're all yeah. but the thing that really excites people that will actually go, okay, I'll, that that I need to see is 
giving that sort of drip feeding that information about you are not going to see this anywhere else. This is something Can very exciting. Yes, exactly. These guys, you're probably ignoring these people's phone calls every day because you haven't got time to take 55 salespeople's calls, but I'm just going to give you the very best. So that's. So I think there is that sort of fear of, well, we haven't got 100 meters, we're not going to stand out. But actually, I found over the last few years of running this that the smaller niche companies that are just exciting and yeah. sexy. But the, the, the innovation <clears throat> of the year, so the, tip, the show that stand that won the innovative product of the year was on a two by two, they probably paid 1,500 quid. Yeah. Where, whereabouts that was that? They were on the side bits. The side, the side bits. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, they <laughs> it was all because they'd entered and we'd sent all the stuff to our advisory board pre-show and they had looked at it and gone, yeah. okay, that. And it was, but they won by a mile. We obviously know that going on site. All of their stuff got lost on transit, right. so their stand was actually empty as well. People were like, "How did this come to be?" Yeah. Like, what, what was it? What I can't remember now. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but yeah, they um, they were called Dayrise. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were called Dayrise. Yeah, and they it, it, and you get obviously the big companies that they obviously send their stuff, and they get close. You know, they get a lot of votes, but. We don't send to our advisory panel the size of stand they take or how much they've invested because that wouldn't be right. Yeah. So we just say this is a solution. What do you think? <clears throat> yeah, that one won by mark. Yeah. Really? I think the sense of it, there is a, a tendency now for uh, for smaller businesses to get a lot more airtime than, than it ever used to be. I mean, I remember you know, at the, the time, the most frustrating things are you do a sales pitch to somebody when you've just started your business and you know you've got something really good for yeah. them and you go up and you get down to the last tier and you've been compared with a really big company mm. and in the end they go, I'm sorry, we're going to go with a really big company. Do you remember Alders Department Store? Yeah. <clears throat> they're no longer here, so I can say this. Yeah, they came to RA and we, we pitched to, for them to outsource that stuff to us. We literally been going 18 months and uh, we just won uh, Adam's Children's Wear. Mm-hmm. And they came along and they, they kept coming back and we got down to the last two and it was us and a, a large uh, tech company that I won't, uh, I won't mention. And in the end they said, we really want to work with you, but we're not going to be able to. And we said, why? And they said, because you're too small. I, I thought, well, we know, we're, we're technically, we're bigger than we were six months ago when we started talking. <laughs> Look at the growth percentage. I think that has changed, though, too. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. the willingness, or the, the, the hope that you've found something new and exciting has yeah. outweighed the size these days. But I think also, the, the, yeah, with solutions rather than services, particularly with solutions, yeah, we are far more, as consumers of solutions ourselves, far more aligned to this app culture. Yeah. Where you download an app on your mobile phone, a pedometer or whatever it might be, you use it for six weeks, and I say to you, I've got one here, look, it's even better. And you go, yeah, actually, I'll delete that one. I'll delete that. that. And and the the fundamental thing is you can do that, but you make far more snap decisions, but you're making snap decisions on something smaller because those things only be relevant for a while. But the underlying plumbing that actually checks how many steps you've done, that never changes because that's in the core infrastructure. And for me, the perfect model for any retailer going back to your your point Martin about uh, retailers you know struggling to to get to the level the, the basics mm-hmm. you've really got to have that underlying basic level of product price stock and then you can build on your app culture I think that's I mean people often ask me about you know, where, where's the importance and stuff like that and you know, real-time inventory is, is, is really sort of rocketed over the yeah. last few years because of the increase in online and people you know click and collect and everything like that and understanding where stock is at a certain time in its you know, sales cycle or anything like that is, yeah. is vital for a retailer to run effectively and efficiently and um, 
I, I've seen you know, the rise of RFID has always well, RFID has always been there and there yeah, and yeah, there. Yeah, right. yeah. Is it our turn now? <clears throat> and uh, maybe now, maybe it is. Maybe that day is coming. Yeah. Well, we we've been talking because yeah. Retail two four seven have an RFID solution, and we've been talking about yeah the future of of that. And yeah, it's sort of people see it as very much an inventory management tool, but Mm -hmm. I I see it, and and Martin sees it now that you yeah it's more than that because once you've got that that tag in there, you can actually really ramp up the customer experience because it's not just helping the accuracy of the stock. You pick up an item, and a big screen comes in front of you that suddenly shows your item and load of products. Now previously, you're right, that has been around for years, but it's been too expensive. Yeah. But now it's more affordable. Totally. And I think you know, the signage, again, you just alluded mm. to signage, and that's really come along. It used to be, it was all sort of advertising point, you know, that was its point, was to sort of promote other things. But now it's interactive, and now it's engaging, and it can improve on the customer experience. I think, so I think those two, hand in hand, are really, really effective yeah. in, in, in sort of helping the customer. And look, the customers are a very difficult Thing to nail that personalization is, is is very 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 hard to, to, to succeed in because like, I'm just let's say I well, I am one person <laughs> I'm not an island um, <laughs> I am just one man. The, uh, um, <laughs> There's actually he's, he's got five people behind him. He's got entourage here. The um, I may go into Charles to it. Say I'm on the way here and I've got coffee on this shirt and. I think right, well, I've got, I can't have this. So I, I've run into Charles to it, and I want to show up very quickly. And my my focus at that point is I need it quick. I need it in my size. And I need to get out of here because I'm going to be late for this meeting. Now I might go in three days later. Think, oh, is that guy that's always in a, in a rush? Let's make sure. Yeah. And I might want to buy a fifteen hundred pound suit. Yeah. And I want yeah, time. And I want people to yeah. go. Remember the service. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, we can't figure out what he wants. One minute yeah. he wants it quick, then he wants it slow. And I'm just, as I said, one person. Imagine trying to understand. Yeah, consumer behaviour. I think it's it's a really difficult challenge. It is. It, I, I absolutely agree with you. Really, look at the whole personalisation stuff. It's a great story to talk about, and, yeah. and, and technology will enable you to do it. But the reality is, humans are all different, and we can have we, we fit a particular MO one day and completely different the other day. I remember yeah, years and years ago when I first went freelance, I worked for Olympus Sport huh? and um, they brought a consultancy company in to do some uh, customer profiling so they could really focus the business on the type of customer and they had a female customer and a male customer and they produced a whole MO yeah. of what they did, what newspapers they read, the things they liked. and. Um, they never got implemented. <laughs> the reason they never got implemented is because everybody's different. You have yeah. 67 million people in this country. You've got 67 million different perspectives on life. You know, so how can you possibly exactly. accommodate it? And there's also a fear of you know, the, the sort of Netflix personalization means you're seeing such a small window of yes, recommendations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're missing out on so much more. You know? yeah, and yeah. I mean, we, there's, there's not many recommendation sites better than Netflix. Now they have absolutely now and there's a trust from us as a consumer to go, well if Netflix say I'm going to like it, there's a good chance I'm going to like yeah. it. But if you go onto sort of a, a, another website they say, well people that bought this might with that, you know, don't bother me with all of that. Amazon Amazon's I'm not sure that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did see one with Amazon there was a hammer and the people that also bought those products was balaclavas. Ladders. And swag bags. Yeah, that's the sort of sort of techie team having a joke somewhere in the background. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I'm, back, I'm still back on my what makes a show. Do you think, think would you not intermingle the small players with the big players more? Perhaps? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got memories of walking at NRF, for example, yeah. big show, you know, and you were at an entry level there, and, and you're still in, you know, you're in, you're in zone C, and you're inside, there's yeah. basically a row of blokes sat on chairs, and little, and if they can get chairs, yeah. you'll be lucky. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of not wanting to get involved in that area, but no. somehow being part of the, the masses. It's, it's the, being totally honest, commercially it's difficult, yeah, because... The people that are paying the bigger money want the prime spots, which yeah. are normally all around each other. So it's quite hard to then say, well, actually, I'll siphon off a small part of mm. that stand. And you know, it, it, and for the look and feel of the show, it looks a lot better. And I think also there is a case to be had that if you put the small guys together, the innovation comes out. And if people yeah. want to sort of focus on that. And I think... You know, the, a lot of the retailers, the, the big guys, they know very well. You know, they know that. You know, they speak to them on a weekly basis, mm. no doubt. So they'll walk in and they'll have, you know, the, the, they'll time with them and they'll speak. But they, I, I've always found that they, they, they sort of tend to navigate over to the, um, the smaller sites, into the smaller sites, because that's where the things, that stuff they don't know about is. Mm. Um, but no, I have looked in, in how we can do that, and um, it's. They're, they're, yeah. No, I think, I think there's a part of me that wants to do an IKEA concept. <laughs> yeah. Where you sort of have to walk yeah, yeah, yeah. around, no, it around, it <laughs> around. Yeah, I've always, I've, I've thought like that's a work. Well, like the casino, th- you know, theory, isn't it? In, in Vegas, to get to your hotel room, you've got to actually walk yeah. through the casino. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, whether I plonk everything at the front, if you want to get to, you know, the exciting glass like, of wine at five o'clock. Five o'clock. How do you? Because obviously, when you're uh, when you're a tech supplier, like a solution supplier, you're always looking at ways you can innovate your product to make sure that it can, as much as possible, keep up with uh, with the demands of the, uh, the clients and, and the prospects. So, what what do you do every? Uh, so, how do you? Professional um, shows. Yeah. yeah, I think well, talking. Really, you know, I've got very, I'm very close to the industry. So whether that's through suppliers or whether that's to retailers, whether that's, you know, we're developing our advisory board for 2023 now, and we're expecting around 40 to 50 people to be on that. So that's some real intel there, and then we'll run a couple of roundtables just for those advisory panel, which will be probably the first 15 to 20 minutes will be like you attend the show, what do you want to see more of, yeah. what do you want to see less of, and then the rest <coughs> of it is just go right, just what's your problems what's going on in the industry, what are you struggling with, where's your priorities, and then we've got people that just scribble down absolutely everything, and then we'll build out the conference program around that sort of feedback. We're speaking to retailers, you know, I've got my conference team speaking to them today, um, to visitors that came last year. So we do, you know, it's a lot about you know, research, and then obviously speaking to you guys as well. You know, we even just off, you know, before we were recording, you know, we're just sort of sharing little bites and stuff like that, and it's just, those little things just, just sit in your mind and you start building out from there. What about looking sort of outside of what, the advisory board tell you because I, I think yeah, advisory boards are, are great, and uh, but sometimes it's a little bit you know we can tell you what we know. So what's your biggest problem? My biggest problem at the moment is is this, mm. as opposed to stuff you could be doing that you might not be doing that I'm actually probably not yet aware of. Not not yet well, aware that, of, to build it into fresh. And that's why I mean, the advisory board is important, but it's not the one and only. But it's important because we have a very different range of job titles, different range of retailers, so we have grocery, we have fashion, we have cosmetics and things like that, and then we'll have IT, we'll have marketing, and then we'll have online e-commerce, and so we try and have a mixture around that so that 
the issues they're discussing are actually very personal to their yeah. role and retailer. Uh, so we are getting quite a lot from that, but also the, there's, there's industry press, there's industry events, even you know, the, the things that you run um, that we attended um, yeah. earlier in the year. You know, things like that are great for, for sort of getting those snippets of knowledge. And then also the, the suppliers are really good as well. You know, I've got a really good relationship with the suppliers, and it's. Um, Everyone in the world thinks they can do this job. Yeah. You know, every person I speak to goes, you know what you should do? Which is better. And okay, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever gone into a retailer and gone, do you know what you should be doing better? Or gone into a supplier and gone, you know what you should do? But, yeah. but, and do you yeah. know what though? I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that because I want the industry to care about this show. I want them to, to, to have input into yeah. it and feel that they're, it's a show for them. I'm, I'm, ba- I'm just representing an industry, really. Yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. Whatever their feedback is vital to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. What, what you, you've just said there about the fact that yeah, I've never gone into a retailer and said, this is what you should do. And, and you're right. And, and yeah, and I've, yeah, I've worked supplier side you know, 99% of my career now. And, I, and I, I've learned, you know, never gone in and said, don't want you should do. Line, no, you you did it afterwards. I've done it with you. That's different. But um, I, yeah, I've done it after. But, but I, think, I, I think there should be more of that. I actually do think there should be more of that because I'm, you know, I, I sometimes think there's a bit of inertia in retail. And you look at, yeah, if I think back, the first project I ever did when I worked at Foster, Foster Menswear was to uh, rewrote their suite of Monday morning uh, management reports. Mm-hmm. And basically, I had to go around and talk to all the key uh, stakeholders to say, what do you want? And we had best sellers reports, we had worst sellers reports, we had uh, um, product contribution reports, and all this, this stuff that basically came out of their output that came out on listing paper. And yet, yeah, I still go into retailers towards the end of uh, my time as retail assistant. We're talking about data and using business objects or something, uh, as a board or something along those lines. They say, so what are you looking to do? And you think you're looking to do exactly the same stuff. Yeah, because basically all we've done is we've taken paper and made it on a, on a screen. What about the stuff you really, you know, what, where, where do your insights come from? So these are our insights. No, no, the insights are things you don't know because actually you need to be looking at a whole load of stuff you're not currently looking at yeah. because you're you're too fixed in your approach of, of the way you've always but operated. That, that's almost back to the point Matt made earlier about being consumer-led more than we ever yeah. used to be. So it's yeah. about what app is in favour, what payment method is in favour, what... But then shouldn't the supplier have... uh, Shouldn't... If I was a retailer, maybe I would want my supplier to come in and tell me what I should be looking at Mm. as opposed to what I should be doing. Totally. Because they're not just paying for your solution, they're paying for your expertise. And we've got a sales team, the phenomenal team that we have that that do the sales, and they're very more consultative in that they... They're not afraid to say no to people. I've seen them say no to people. People have you know, said, oh, we'll sponsor the bar because we want branding. And it's an awkward conversation, but you have to say to someone, I don't know if your you brand turned down for the bar. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure your brand's well-known enough to just put your logo up there. I think people yeah. will need to know a bit more about you. So you need to have a look at, is there some education piece that we can be doing yeah. with you? Because, you know, with due respect, there's very, to be honest, there's very few logos in this world that people just instantly know yeah, and go, yeah. well, I know that brand and I can associate what they do. You know, the, the, the McDonald's AM is very obvious, the Apple and, and things like that. But, you know, we've had companies say, yeah, let's put my logo there. You're like, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. So I wouldn't. Yeah. And so we do try to sort of steer people into to making sure they make the right choices. And it's, you know, those conversations can be awkward. But yeah, they, they can. But I think that's the, that's, that's the difference. That's when a, a supplier 
um, becomes a partner yeah. is actually when you can you do feel as if I've got airtime that I can actually challenge the way you do stuff mm. even though you look at me and go you're an IT guy what do you know about retail you think mm. actually I work with 30 different retail yeah, companies I've got 30 different perspectives you've got yeah. one so yeah basically maybe you should I have to say whenever we've run any sort of round tables and you know we always the longest part of it is when it finishes and the retailers get to chat to each other yeah and you're, you know, and you're thinking, God, these guys are like, you know, I've watched major, major high street competitors mm-hmm. exchange ideas and go, oh, we're trying that at the moment, I'll let you know how yeah. it goes. And yeah. thinking, actually, they are, they are an industry that is desperate for information. They're in, like, desperate for guidance yeah. um, and you know, a, a roadmap or a route to market, things like that. And um, they, they share these sort of things. So I, I don't think suppliers would be too off by saying to them, we can help you, yeah. uh, and maybe you should consider doing something like yeah. this. I think yeah. it's, it's. I always say to the sales team, you know, you don't go into a restaurant and the waiter brings out all the food. You know, the first thing he asks is, what do you want? Yeah. You know, what is he like? And you've got to approach sales like that. And if, you do, if you're doing that, then I think you have hold the position where you can say to someone, I think you're making the wrong decision here, I think you should do this. But if you are just going in and saying, this is what you need and this is how it's going to prove you then I can see why people go well actually yeah well yeah, exactly because if you go and all your all, the only advice you ever give you stuff you've got to say exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a bit a bit narrow okay one uh, one final topic I decided to talk to you about then um, is the uh, is the, the metaverse or whatever it ends up being called and whether mm. it ends up being anything at all this whole sort of uh, immersive experience yeah, so you know, technically we could travel the world and we could go to wherever we want to without actually leaving our own house. Yeah. Yeah, what impact is that going to have on your, uh, your well, particular it is, Obviously it's hard to say. Um, the one thing I would say is over the last few years we've been able to experiment what it's like to do these things without face-to-face and personal interaction. And um, it didn't work. No, it's not the same. It didn't work. Um, we all got Zoom fatigue. Um, and in a moment, Managing director Alison Jackson once said to me, "When they opened the pubs, no one had any more Zoom quizzes. No. <laughs> People just went. It's very true. Let's go out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same. And, you know, this year was probably for me the the most enjoyable show that I've ever run in 20 years because." There was such a feeling of we can't wait to get back in yeah, front of people, yeah. and I think you know we would have had to go a long way to to muck that one up, to be honest, because there was this bent up frustration, and we've got to get out. We want to see each other. And technology had changed. The retailers had gone through probably the worst couple of years of their you know their lives. So there was a so real far. need so far. Yes. Well, that, that, hopefully I'll make it good news for the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and I remember when um, I always have to make an announcement that the show's opening. Mm. And you do it, you know, it's, it's 9am and the retail on the show is now open. Um, and I did it this year, and for the first time ever, and I didn't get the frog in my throat when I think about it now, the whole exhibition started cheering. Yeah, yeah hear it, And there was this, wow, that's a really, yeah, so, it's a nice vote. It was a lovely moment, and I think that just goes to show that the importance of face-to-face interaction. So, yeah, I think the metaverse, we will, we will obviously keep a very close eye on it, and I'm sure there'll be ways that we will use it in order to enhance our offering, but I don't think it will ever come in that will replace what we do. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's supplementary at best, at, um, well, within, the, within my lifetime. Mm. I've, I've done these things completely virtually, and you, you've wandered around, you see the avatar, and you've... It's, it's it's just a bit false, still, isn't it? You can't beat that that face to face and the social interaction that comes with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And, and I, you know, <clears throat> I think the really uh, 
encouraging thing for me because I'm, you know, the idea of people coming together. That's when you really, you know, you really get some great sparky ideas when people yeah. come together. Yeah, you, know, you miss it in an office environment because even a conversation over the coffee machine or something. So yeah, you learn so much. And people say, yeah, but of course times are changing. And but it's not just people of, uh, you know, of, of the length of time serving this uh, industry. We've got it's younger people want to actually interact as mm. well. Yeah, my son works for a large. Uh, well, the son works for a large tech company and so he's been working remotely more or less since yeah, the end of university and now that he can get out there and start meeting he absolutely he loves, loves it, it yeah. and you thought well yeah, he's going back to he's something relatively new to him still because mm. it's old for us but yeah, he's had the whole Zoom and Teams uh, Teams thing but he's saying now that work is so much more fulfilling now you can actually get out not every day you're not like you know you sort of wake up on a Monday morning and you think oh god I've got to be in London by 8 o'clock and yeah yeah, I'm going to be there. Yeah, that's changed. Yeah. Time, uh, that's changed, and that's good that that's changed. But actually, you still need to come out. Yeah. We could have done this remotely, but it's a lot better to come out. Definitely, and and I think your son is a really good example for people sort of starting out their careers and stuff. I learned so much from being in the office. Yeah, you know, yeah. just those, like you say, the water cooler moments where people are going. Oh, the people starting out in their careers are missing out on so much by not overhearing you know being involved in meetings and things like that and I just think it as, as a business you know my show is run by a company called 19 group everyone's back in the office yeah we're not, we're, I think we have one person works remotely and she lives quite far away um, but everyone else is back in the office full-time yeah. and so through their choice but you know what I think to, certainly at the start I think that a few people thought the novelty's worn off of coming back into the office now <laughs> but you know, we, we, we've noticed certainly our sales figures and everything like that as a, as a company are so much more effective and so yeah, much more yeah. better when people are in the office and I think it's actually a very good fun place to work so and they, and they, they sort of balance the work social thing very very well in the fact that there's always drinks on a Friday and there's yeah. lots of things that people are going out and stuff like that so I don't think people mind it too much actually no, 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 no. I think I think yeah absolutely it's, it's going to be a balance and never I, I can be quite a lot way and, and and now it feels like an awfully long way away. That used to be at five days a week. I know. But, but, yeah. but two, three, you know, mix of days yeah. is, is perfect. It is. But the, the, the whole, but yeah, for, for a business to be successful, you've got to have some good products, yes. good services. But actually, the most important thing is people. Especially when you're in the market, and part of what you do is actually selling what you do. You've got to, because people buy people, don't yeah, they? Totally. And you've got to have that culture in your business, which is good that you've got it. And it's, it yeah, I, can, I can see it in absolute bucket loads here. Yeah, there's a really close-knit team community here. I remember when when the business when Martin first started the business and um, and we <laughs> and we were I suppose we were competitors but um, but yeah I was uh, one thing we've got over them is we've got this great culture they can't have that because it's unique to us but it's really good to see it here as well because I think that makes a massive uh, huge well our massive CEO difference. is culture obsessed yeah. absolutely obsessed and he is he bangs the drum of culture on a Hourly basis, yeah. and, but it's, and, 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 you know he's right. He, he really he's right, and it's uh, he's created a very good culture there of people yeah. that want to come to work and want to succeed, and um, it, you know the, the business is flourishing thanks to yeah. that. I think. So basically, we might go into the metaverse for some things, but we'll always end up going to the pub. For yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thanks. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I'm going to say one last thing, which is yeah. I've done podcasts before, and my daughter's listened to all of them, and she said you never mention my name. So I'm going to say this one for Darcy. Well, right. there, there you go. go. Very nice. Lovely. You're welcome, Darcy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Perfect. Thanks, thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, guys. 
Shepherding Chaos, the Retail 247 podcast. Join us next time for more tech views and insights from the people who know.